Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. Coming up over the next 90 minutes, NPP in the Northern Region cracks the whip on pro-Alan Chimantin party executive with an indefinite suspension. That story is here on Eyewitness News tonight. Also coming up, Ghanaians continue to queue up a telecommunication company offices as the deadline for the registration of SIM cards approaches. And later on Eyewitness News, we return to the story about cocoa carriers who are still on strike because the payment has not been increased as they've been requesting or demanding, for which reason they embarked on a strike yesterday. And still on Eyewitness News, stakeholders are currently have... Stakeholders notify, or rather, having a meeting with the finance ministry on the controversial benchmark value reversal. We'll be hearing what the outcome of that meeting is. Stay with 97.3 CTF on this and many other stories on eyewitness news and in business. MTN Ghana justifies 50% increase in fiber broadband and turbonet bundle prices. That's in some 50 minutes with Ellen Dapa. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations, including Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, Bono region. We are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyan, India. Shanti region, we are on Adrian Park 99.9 FM in Inkawie. Also in the Volta region, we are on Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohoe. On Freedom 88.1 FM in Sugarkopa. In the Northern region, we are on Radio Gaki. 88.3 FM and in the Upper East Region, this is quality 88.7 FM in Garu. In the Upper West Region, we are on Ganga Radio 94.3 in Jirapa. And in the Northeast Region, this is Nobia FM 98.1 FM uh, that is in Nale Rugo. Do send us your views using our various social media platforms. If it's on Telegram or WhatsApp, the number to send your message to is 0549 If you have to send a tweet, tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. Use the hashtag City Newsroom and the world gets to hear what you think. Details of Eyewitness News now. And the first story is from the Northern Region. The New Patriotic Party has written... A letter that it addressed to its northern, uh, well, its its executive in Tamale, Al Haji Ibrahim Kalim, that is, and the letter is from the northern regional chairman of the NPP, that is Mohammed Sharif Ibrahim. Actually, no, this so this letter is from Mohammed Sharif Ibrahim, who is the director of communications for the New Patriotic Party in the northern region, and it is addressed to Al Haji Ibrahim Kalim. Tamale Northern Region through the Northern Regional Chairman of NPP in the Northern Region. And the letter is titled Notice of Indefinite Suspension from the Northern Regional Communication Team. The letter reads, My attention has been drawn to your participation in a program on Radio Tamale, 
a Tamale-based radio station designed for the sole purpose of advancing the campaign of a purported flag-bearer aspirant. The program and your participation in SAME is in clear violation of a directive issued by the Northern Regional Chairman of the NPP for party people to seize, among other others, all media engagements purporting to campaign for flag-bearer hopefuls. As you are aware, this directive of chairman was pursuant to an earlier directive issued by the National Council under the signature of the General Secretary and in sync with Article 18 of the New Patriotic Party Constitution. As already noted in chairman's statement dated 30th December 2021, the unfortunate situation of speaking or peaking before time has a tendency to disrupt His Excellency Nanado Danko Akufado's governance and the peace within the new patriotic party in the region. More so, jingles played. Jingles played words used, among others, on the said program that bring the party and government functionaries into disrepute cannot be countenanced, especially from a member of the regional communication team. In view of the foregoing, any person who deals with you, Alhaji Ibrahim Kalim, as a member of the Northern Regional Communications team, does so at his own risk. Signed, Mohammed Sharif Ibrahim, Director of Communications, New Patriotic Party, Northern Region. Let's go on the line and speak to the suspended official, Alhaji Ibrahim Kalim. He joins us on the line from Tamale. Alhaji, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Hello, sir. Yes, Alhaji, can you hear me? Apologies, uh, we do not have uh, Alhaji uh, Ibrahim Kalim uh, on the line. We'll try to re-establish contact uh, with him uh, to have an understanding of what exactly he engaged in and what he makes of this letter addressed to him and why he did what he did, as if he even did it at all. In the meanwhile, if you are in the northern region and uh, you are a supporter of the New Patriotic Party, let us know what you think of this particular development. Send us your views using our WhatsApp platform 0549986996. You can send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom, tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra and live in Tamale on Diamond 93.7 and also uh, on a number of affiliate stations in the northern regional capital, Tamale. Do send us your views and let the world know what you think. Eyewitness News is broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We'll be back after this short break. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's move on to some other stories, uh, stories that have been making the headlines the past few days. It has to do with the re-registration of SIM cards and the queues we keep seeing when we re-establish connections and contact to Tamale. We'll be bringing you that story about the indefinite suspension of an official of the party who we are told was engaging in a campaigning for a prospective flag bearer or a flag bearer aspirant or a possible flag bearer aspirant that candidate or that person has not even declared his intention as yet and we'll give us that story you know
The Chamber of Telecommunications says it is hopeful that an update to the software used for the SIM card re-registration process will speed up the process. Long queues are being recorded at the various service centers as many Ghanaians rush to meet the March 31, 2022 deadline for registering SIM cards. Speaking to City News, the chief executive of the Chamber, Ken Ashigbe, says organizations are also being encouraged to make special arrangements to ease up the pressure at the various centers. We know that there have been there have been a lot of challenges, and you know the NCA has a technical partner who's providing the common platform. Kelly GBG is there. They are the people who have developed the app uh, to handle the second phase of the biometric verification. So, uh, and what has happened is that there have been a lot of updates that uh, this uh, technical partner of the NCA has done. Uh, there's one that is even due for this Thursday evening. And all of that is supposed to help speed up the process. Um, there have been a few challenges and bottlenecks with them. And that's the reason why, you know, we are having uh, the, the queues, the mini queues at uh, the various uh, centers. So we hope that this new update would really quicken the process uh, and make it a bit faster. But beyond that as well, uh, you find out that the operators are, are using other means to be able to speed up the processes. They are using various, opening various outlets, and then also we're trying to do some institutional registration. Uh, some of the courts and things have been registered. We are also, even some media houses, you know, so uh, once we get the request, the, the various uh, operators will then schedule times that they come to these institutions to do the registration there, all in the bit of taking the processes back to uh, the, the consumer. Mr. Ashikbe also says the Ministry of Communication and Digitalization may be minded to extend the deadline should the evidence on the ground point to such. The deadline has been set, has been set by the policymaker. The minister is the one who has set the, the deadline. The good thing is that the minister continues to engage uh, with the regulator and even sometimes he sits in the technical meetings with the operators. So we are seeing what is happening and... Uh, you know, Ghanaians in our last minute days and the number of people. And there are a few other challenges that also exist. I'm pretty sure uh, that the regulator and the minister will take all of that into consideration. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't, the, the funny thing about Ghanaians is that once they know that the deadline has been pushed, then you find people also slowing down. So, But that is a decision that uh, definitely the, the will be taken by the minister based on the evidence on the ground. Ken Ashikbe is the Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Telecommunications. Meanwhile, a member of the Communications Committee of Parliament has blamed the National Communications Authority for the challenges facing the ongoing SIM card re-registration exercise. And, and we'll be coming back to you for that story, uh, that particular story being following for you here at the CTFM and, of course, CTTV bringing you details on how the queues, the winding queues are been seen at various registration centers as people move in to have their SIM cards re-registered. In the meantime, let's go back to that story we, bring you, uh, we are bringing you tonight, which has to do with the suspension of a party official. Indeed, we are told there's not just one party official or any PP official, that is. Uh, there are actually two persons who were suspended in the northern region for engaging in what has been described as campaigning for a flag bearer hopeful. Uh, Dauda Gentuma is the 
Chogu West Electoral Area Coordinator for the New Patriotic Party. Uh, Mr. Gentuma, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Omar Sanda. I have read a letter to Alhaji Ibrahim Kalim, uh, who has been suspended. I've read that letter to my audience. Have you also been suspended? Yes. Uh, 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 good evening to the listeners. Uh, yes, uh, this afternoon, I had a call from my constituency organizer. Uh, he, and he came to where I was and gave me a letter. And the letter is a suspension letter. So this will be Tamale North constituency? No, Tamale Central constituency. Tamale Central? Yes. And they said that you have been suspended? Yeah, they said they have been suspended indefinitely from the party. D did you receive the letter or it was, it was communicated to you via phone? It was, uh, I received the letter. So you've read it? Yeah, I read it. What is your sin or what's your crime? That my, that my crime is that on the 4th of January or so, Tuesday, I was on a radio station, Radio Tamale, and then I, 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 I went there ostensibly, according to them, to predict uh, Honorable Alan Jung Kujo for 2024. And for that reason, you are suspended because you are party yeah, executive that, and you should not do that. Exactly, that's according to what okay. Were you on Tamale, uh, Radio Tamale on 4th January? Yes, I was on Radio Tamale. What was the show about? The show was about projects, government projects in the northern region, uh, where uh, we go every week to promote the, 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 the project. So which projects were you promoting on this particular day? Uh, on, on, on this particular day, we're projecting the one district, one factory project. Okay. And that's how Dr. Alan Kojo Chamantin's name came in? Exactly. And you were celebrating him, weren't you? Yeah, he's my good friend. He's my respected mentor. And anywhere I get the opportunity, I will celebrate him. And I celebrated him. Oh, so you, 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 you actually um, were also advocating for him to be flag bearer? We were not talking. We never talked about his flag bearer. What were the kind of things you said when you, when you, when you celebrated him? I celebrated him as a, 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 a trade icon, a trade and investment icon, somebody with a very broad novel ideas, uh, and somebody whose contribution to the Nana Ado governance is so impeccable and very fantastic. I see. Uh, uh, yes, and, uh, and I said on the radio that uh, I'm saying it because uh, His Excellency, the President of the Republic of Ghana, Nana Adodanko Akufuado, some few months ago, introduced him to the 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 and described him as Obujumapa, somebody who is workaholic, and also went to a typical radio station to tell and said the president said that people say the one this one factory, Alashimanti e da da omo that is deceiving people, but when he went around, he has realized that. Uh, the one district one factories are everywhere, and that Alan Timothy is working. So, uh, uh, as my mentor, he's my mentor, and my president is also speaking. Uh, I, I had the opportunity, and I, I thought people should also know that the MPP government is doing a lot of work for Ghanaians, and the Minister for uh, the Trade, Minister for Trade, one of Alan Timothy, is also doing very well. Okay, did you in any way compare Alan Chamanti to anybody in the party? I, ne I never mentioned anybody's name. 
I see. Don, what do you make of the accusation against you by your own party? I believe they would have monitored. You have a mo media monitoring team, don't you? Yeah, we have. They've they been monitoring. They, they, so they, 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 the they, they, they snitched on you, and that's what they have said. The problem is that in June 2000 and, uh, 2021, the Northern Regional Chairman of the Party, Honorable uh, uh, Chairman uh, Mohammed Fatima Samba, went on radio and declared his support for uh, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia as the MPP 2024 flag bearer. And he didn't end there. He said he and the entire executive uh, declared their support for Mahmoud Baumia. He called me after that and told me that he, he doesn't want anybody to talk about any candidate from Baumia and that Dr. Baumia is the MPP flag bearer for 2024. And I have uh, a scientific evidence of what I'm telling you. Uh, quite recently, the MP for Tolong, uh, uh, Habib Drisu, met delegates and told them who his candidate is and why we should support him. Uh, uh, on the 31st of December 2000, uh, 2021, the regional secretary, Alaji Sibudo, was on the same radio station I went. And uh, uh, when the host asked him who he was, who who his candidate is, he said his candidate definitely is Mahmoud Baumia because he's a northerner and that's his brother. And we have the, 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 the videos of all this in place. So what is happening is that people think the MPP is a sole proprietorship, is their party, and they can dictate to everybody what they can do. But others do not have uh, the right to express their opinion. They are, they are bringing a, 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 a code of conduct and they themselves are disobeying the code of conduct because they have a candidate and they think we should sit down and allow them to protect their candidate against uh, our, our, our will. So they, they will fight you. They will try to sustain you. They will intimidate you. They will criminalize you because you don't speak their language. That is what is happening in MPP in Northern Asia. Okay, which means that based on what you've just said to me, you clearly do not support uh, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia and you actually support Alan Chamantin in, in, in your in, in that part of the country. That is your position. That's your stance. Unfortunately. Because we are told that in the course of the program you even dared your, your chairman to suspend you. And no, you use the word Alan Boys, that he should suspend you, the Alan Boys, if he no, so wish, but he should I also never, but he should also go ahead and suspend other MPs who who have also declared support for some other person. I, 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 I never said that. Uh, I never I never dared him. I said we heard that he was going to suspend him. So we are waiting. So that's why when the suspension letter came, we are not surprised. What are you going to do about this? Your suspension. How many of you have been suspended, by the way? So far, two of us have been suspended. Okay, and uh, what are you going to do about it? Well, uh, we'll send you the letter. The letter just came. Uh, I, I, I've read it. Uh, I want to look at... Uh, I'm also going through the party's constitution, although I've not seen the, 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 the articles they have quoted in the, in, the, in, in the letter do not befit in what the conduct I have conducted. And you also ask that uh, uh, it means that I don't support Mahmoud Baumia. Uh, uh, well, you know, we, have not, we, are, we are not there yet. The MPP has not opened nomination for flag bearers. So we don't even know who do we suspect. So when the time comes, who will tell who will, uh, will support? But nobody, nobody 
can dictate to us who we should support. I'm a northerner, I'm a Muslim, I'm, and I'm an MPP. I've been an MPP since 1982. I've voted for the party, I've worked for the party. I'm a party person with good standing. And I, I'm not lazy at all when it comes to party work. And, they, and, and my chairman and everybody knows it. But they cannot dictate to us. The grassroots will resist every attempt to intimidate criminalized people who think uh, who they think are not in line with them. We'll never we'll use our last blast to fight them back. They using will. the same uh, procedure they are using. Very well. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, so it means you have accepted your suspension. You cannot communicate for the party anymore. That's what the party says. If anyone does... Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to... Uh, uh, the letter is... Uh, uh, the, 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 before you suspend a, a member from the party, uh, the, the, there should be a, pro, uh, a different procedure which must be communicated to the member. <laughs> so I'm waiting. So the, the letter the, is an incompetent letter. The, the, the letter they wrote is an incompetent one, but I don't even want to go into the content of the letter. So it's you don't incompetent letter. You don't regard le the letter. You don't regard no, 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 the suspension. No, no, no. Even my name, even the name they mentioned in the in the, in the letter is not my official name. There's no, but there's there's no name like that. Would a gentleman, a letter area coordinator, Tamale uh, Chukwu. There's no such name in our records. But I'm the coordinator, and my electoral area is mentioned. So because of that. Uh, 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 I'm treating it with some uh, uh, respect, and because the, the, the organizer himself brought the letter, <laughs> but the, even the name, so that tells you how incompetent people are. The name, that the gentleman, uh, the way they spelled it, is not what is officially stated. Uh, my, my, my name as a coordinator. So you appear for the party on media houses, regardless. I work for my party. I love MPP. MPP is the best party for for, for Ghana, and we will not sit down to allow people to destroy it. Without MPP, there will not be Ghana. If we allow MPP to go to the opposition, Ghana will go back. And whatever we will do to ensure that, uh, to support the excellency, the president of Ghana, to implement our manifesto promises, but, uh, uh, which, made, uh, which gave us power in 2020, we will help the president. Okay. And we will help the party to create the aid and continue to rule this country. Very MPP well. is the best party for Ghana. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity, Thomas. That's Dauda Jentuma. He's an NPP electoral area coordinator um, and member of the Northern Regional Communications team of the NPP. He's just been suspended, which suspension he does not recognize. The Northern Regional Director of the NPP, the Northern Regional Di Communications Director of the NPP, uh, Mohammed Sharif Ibrahim, had agreed to speak to us on this particular issue. He's the one who signed that suspension letter. He was unfortunately unavailable to respond to. Uh, some of the questions we'll raise um, on this uh, show. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's return to the issue of SIM card re-registration. Eno, please continue with the story. So, a member of the Communications Committee of Parliament has blamed the National Communications Authority for the challenges facing the ongoing SIM card re-registration exercise. In an interview with City News, MP for Bumpogu Abendego Bandim said the NCA failed to engage broadly with the telecommunications company prior to the commencement of the exercise. There was no broader consultation with all stakeholders because right now, I'm told, that there is no integration between the NCA and the telecoms. The system that is being used right now was developed by NCA, the portal where anyone could go 
and get his or her information captured on the on 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 uh, on the portal. And then once your information is captured, you still have to go and present yourself for your biometric details to be taken. So who takes your biometric uh, details? It is the telecos. So when you register on the portal, which is being managed by the National Communications Authority, and then you have to move to the uh, teleco for your biometric to be taken, they key in the information and nothing pops up. The details doesn't come for them to continue with the biometric registration for you or to, for you to complete the registration exercise. You could not use it to transact business. So the same thing is happening in this case, where the NCA portal will allow you to register, but then when you go to the telco to authenticate it biometrically, it is not possible because there is no integration. The two systems are not talking to each other. Abednego Bandim is a member of the Communications Committee in Parliament and the MP for Bumpurgu in the Northeast region. Away from that, President Okufuad is expected to commission the two-tier Tamale interchange in the northern region in March 2022. According to the government, all works associated with the interchange are expected to be completed by the end of February. The road project, which was started in the year 2019 under the $2 billion China Sino-Hydro deal, seeks to enhance interurban movement and traffic flow in the region. Speaking to journalists after an inspection of the project, the Minister for Roads and Highways, Kwesia Mwakwata, expressed satisfaction at the level of work done so far. You can see that I am beaming with laughter. You know, I'm so excited, I'm so happy, and I've also had the opportunity to accompany His Excellency, the President, to visit this site. But for the first time, because the project is substantially completed and is uh, being prepared for commissioning, uh, we have been able to walk the entire 1.1 kilometer stretch, you know, of this uh, two-tier interchange. The consultant, you know, uh, assured me that every work associated with it will be completed by the end of uh, February. So the first two weeks in March, they will use to tidy up the place completely and then any time from mid-March His Excellency the President will commission this project on behalf of the government and the good people of this country. You heard the Minister for Roads and Highways, Kwesi Amwakwata. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Yesterday on Eyewitness News we brought you a story that cocoa carriers had gone on strike. Uh, these are cocoa carriers in the western region, the Ashanti region, also in Tema. And this is because they wanted an increase in the charges or the, the amount paid to them for carrying a sack of cocoa. They said they were paid 62 pesos for carrying one sack of cocoa offloading that is from the trucks when they arrived from the farm gates. They have demanded for an increase to one CD and they said they were not going to work until that was done. We spoke to them and also had a conversation with Cocobot on Eyewitness News last night. Fifi Boafo, who is um, the head of public affairs at Cocobot, gave us an assurance that Cocobot would be intervening in the issue, although Cocobot was not directly involved in how much 
they were going to be paid. 24 hours on, what's the state of affairs? We're told the carriers are still on strike. Is it the case that Cocoa Board has failed in its mediation rule? Fifi Boafo has joined us back on the line. Mr. Boafo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, you gave us an assurance yesterday. It's 24 hours on. What is the update? Well, uh, we had a meeting with the contractors who provide the labor services for Cocoa Marketing Company today. And then at the end of the meeting, we were able to see an adjustment in the amount that is paid to the carriers. The expectation is that it will be communicated to them today and uh, hopefully from tomorrow we shall see a resumption of work. Uh, I must say that at the meeting, even though these carriers were not present at the meeting, they are not employees of Cocoa Bond. We do not have any direct contract with them. So we are unable to have direct meeting with them. But then they were virtually in the meeting and then they had a new private. So the expectation is that these adjustments will surely get them back to work. And that is the expectation to have them back at work from tomorrow. Are they getting the one CD? Well, Sam, I told you yesterday that we will not go into the details of how much someone is getting us remuneration. That is the, our agreement with them. But then to a very large extent, we have uh, we've seen an upward adjustment of how much they were receiving. And the expectation is that they should be able to get them back to work. Who bears the cost, the contractors or Cocoa Board? Well, the arrangement is such that there's an amount that paid to these co the contractors and there's a percentage that is also paid to the carriers. I won't go into the details, the fine details of it, but then there's some adjustment has been done to ensure that the carriers see an upward adjustment in their remuneration. Very well. Thank you. Thank you. But So you've been given an assurance that they return to work. Did they accept that uh, uh, adjustment that you gave them and have they assured you that they will go back to work? As indicated, the meeting was with the contractors and the four men. So they are to engage the carriers. And uh, I must say that the carriers, to a very large extent, have some sort of representation at the meeting. So hopefully they will be able to get their colleagues conveyed that they get back to work. Thank you for speaking to us. That's Fifi Boafo, he's head of public affairs at Coco. But let's speak to Raymond Atanga. He speaks for the Coco Carriers. Mr. Atanga, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Has this information reached you that there was a meeting and a meeting, at that meeting, a decision was um, arrived at, which decision would affect your pockets positively? Uh, good evening, listeners. Uh, that is true. We have received a response uh, from the foreman, and the response is that they are going to give us uh, 82 pesos now, so which means uh, 20 pesos increment for the five years, which is unfair. And we must uh, state it clear that we are not calling off the strike until we receive one Ghana city. And Tema is aware of this, Takwa is aware of this, Kumasi is aware of this. So I, being their chairman, and with my other leaders, we have just communicated this evening, and we are saying that there is no work tomorrow. So if there's rumors going that uh, the adjustment is to our satisfactory, I think that is uh, a lie, and we are not going back to work tomorrow. Mr. Tanga, you were asking for one CD from 60 pesos or 62 pesos. 
they yeah. have been able to meet you halfway by giving you extra 20 pesos. That takes it to 82 pesos. You should be able to forgive the 20 pesos, no? Yes, that is true. We are citizens of this nation, and we have been so merciful and considerate serving our nation, even though we face some risk and hazard at the right place. And we are talking about five good years here without increment. 52 pesos, which is for offloading and then stacking. You offload the cocoa from the truck, put it in the warehouse for quality control to verify whether the cocoa beans are in good condition before we now stack it. So 31 pesos offloading and then 31 pesos uh, stacking, making it 52 pesos. For five good years, they have never attended to us until now. They are adding 20 pesos. And now, sir, the pathetic thing is that the 82 pesos they are giving us is without sleep, without welfare, without insurance, meaning that when we get weak and we are going back to the house, we we'll have nothing to even take from the government. And then, apart from that, uh, cost of living in the country has been increased. Uh, for, uh, transportation, rent, utility bill, health care, uh, even food stuff, everything has been increased. So what we are saying is that they have done their best, but not to our satisfactory, uh, that we can get back to work within any of these days if they don't attend to our needs. Because I heard you rightly said that we, are, we have no contract with Cocoa Board and that uh, we are not employees of Cocoa Board. That is true. The foremen and the contractors are employees of Cocoa Board. So we allow them to go and carry the cocoa and take the whole one CD, two pesos uh, into their pockets. I, I see, which means that you're, you're not going to do the job. You, you let your supervisors and seniors do it if, if they so wish. That's essentially if, what you're if, saying. If they refuse us the one CD. But you are, you are the same people who are saying you're not going to allow other people to be recruited to do the job in Tema. That was a story brought on City what, Prime News. What I am trying to say is that he said we are not employees, but the contractors and the foremen are the employees of Cocoa Board. That's what I'm saying. Meanwhile, the, uh, the foremen and the contractors are not doing the job. We are doing the job. So at least they should give us that maximum value to call us, invite few of us, the leadership, to also be part of the meeting to know... Uh, what is going on, and also clearly explain our grievances because the foremen and the contractors are just looking for their daily bread, what they will get from us, not what we will get out of the work. Imagine someone sitting somewhere and I have to do the work and he will just take 20% out of it. Why? It's unfair. So I am not just saying that we allow anybody to come and work, but so far as Cocoa Board has employed foremen and contractors, if they will not meet our needs, the foremen and the contractors can go and do that. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, but for people who say you are insensitive, uh, what would you say to them? That And again, I've, I've already asked that question in a different form. That if they could give you 20 pesos, you should also be able to give them 20 pesos. You do not think that it's going to work. You will never accept that. Yes, please. Are you also asking for this money to be paid to you as arrears, as in dated all the way back to the last five years, or you are asking for that one CD to start from now? Are you asking for... for we are considering them in this case. The one CD, if the data did not start, we just start from that. We are not going to take any back payment. That's fine. 
how many bags or how many sacks does one carrier take in a day just out of curiosity we are 14 uh, members in a gang supposed to work for 1600 bags and the 1600 bags we carry double so which means we are carrying almost 2400 bags so if you divide that by 14 i think you get the exact number 2,400 bags. Yes, divided by 14 members. So that's 171 bags. Yes, please. And each bag is uh, 64.5 kilograms. And you are carrying twice. So which means that you are supposed to carry uh, 128 kilograms for 62 pesos. And you do this alone or someone helps you to carry the sack? Two people have to lift it and carry one person. And you have to sweat and struggle to even take the bag to uh, the appropriate place you're supposed to stack it. How many years and have you done this that, for? There are some hazards hazard and then uh, risk involved in the work. Uh, the quality control will bear with me. The chemicals they use to spray the cocoa to preserve it uh, during fumigation is, killer, is, is, is a dangerous and a killer chemical. That we go through all those risks. Quality uh, CMC will tell us that without those chemicals in the cocoa, by the time they export the cocoa and it gets to abroad, the cocoa might have some kind of uh, problem. So because of that, we have to work in the chemicals. Mm -hmm. uh, Raymond, how many years have you been carrying sacks of cocoa for yourself? Uh, since 2014 till date. So I have uh, seven years now. And how old are you? I am 30 years old. Three zero. Yes, please. I wish you all the best, which means you started at age 24. Yes, please. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. I'm grateful. That's Ramon Atanga. He speaks for Cocoa Careers in the Western region, in the Ashanti region, also in Tema. Eyewitness News will be back. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let's do some more stories. Five police officers have been interdicted by the police administration for alleged extortion and invocation of curses. According to the police, the five police officers who are from the National Highway Patrol Unit were seen in a viral video circulating on social media engaged in the act. In a letter signed by the Chief Staff Officer, Chief Superintendent Alex K. Safwedu, all weapons and police accoutrements are to be collected from the officers as investigations begin into the matter. Away from that, President Okufuero says he welcomes any form of criticism that have come his way in recent times. The president says he understands the huge task of making the lives of Guineans better. Speaking at a special church service for the first family at the Jubilee House, President Okufuero said with the help of God, he will work to deliver on his promises to Guineans. It enables us to be able to uh, tolerate, let me put it that way, many of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that are thrown at us in this house. But we see it as part of the work that we have to do for the people of Ghana. And be prepared to be open to all kinds of statements, some malicious, some in good faith, but that we take it all aboard. We are trying to build an open society, 
a nation which guarantees freedoms of all sorts. So those who are at the front of it have to have the temperament and the spirit, the psyche, that enables them to tolerate whatever is said. And in many cases, be able to divine some hidden truths in what is said. You heard President Ekufu Adu. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Another update. Yesterday, we brought you the story from the Attorney General's office, uh, which had to do with uh, former Deputy Minister of Finance, Kezela Tufosin. Now, uh, he has been charged, and he has described those charges as politically motivated. The Attorney General's office did not take kindly to that. We brought you a statement from a Deputy Attorney General who spoke to, or who issued a statement in response to that and said what the former Deputy Minister said amounted to scandalizing the court and several other issues that she raised. Tonight, we have a response from Kezela Tufosin, and it's fair uh, to hear from him as well. Sixtus Donulo is in studio to tell us what the former Deputy Minister has been saying in response to the former, to the current Deputy Attorney General. Sixtus? Hi, Sander. Tell us what the former Deputy Minister said. Well, the response that we got from him uh, via social media, we've reached out to um, his people and we are told that the response on social media uh, suffices so we can go with it. It is the official response to the statement from the Office of the Attorney General and the Minister of Justice. And there are three points we can glean from this um, response. Number one, that he is the victim and the AG should stop playing the victim. This particular uh, paragraph says, I wish to state that the Attorney General's office cannot determine my reaction to the sinister plot to needlessly tarnish my reputation and rob me of my liberty simply because I am implacably opposed to the poor economic policies of this government and in particular the E-Levy. The point number two he makes in his statement is that the AG is the one driven by hate. You would recall that in the AG statement, um, there was a, a, a statement that said that uh, the the press conference organized by Mr. Atoforsen would generate some hate for the prejudice and some hate for the office of the Attorney General. Mm -hmm. And this is what he has to say in response to that. It is the Attorney General who is driven by hate, prejudice, and... Um, he's the one abusing his prosecutorial powers to silence critical political opponents. And the final thing he says is probably the, 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 the development, the first response that we can get from him on the substance of the case. Mm -hmm. Recall that this is all about a contract. And um, he says that he could not have signed the, the cabinet memo that is in contention in this matter. Uh, because he was not in office at the time. For the avoidance of doubt, I'm quoting him, the cabinet memo for the purchase of the ambulances was submitted in December 2011. I became a deputy minister on the 2nd of May 2013. How could I have signed a cabinet memo in December 2011? Thank you so much, Sixtus John Olo. He's our court correspondent, and uh, he is bringing us a response uh, from Atoforsin to the Deputy Attorney General. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM coming to you from our studios here in Adabraka in Accra. Let's talk about a very uh, painful story uh, here on Eyewitness News. It has to do with a report that 
some parents killed their child. What? Well, this was because they tortured the child. We are told which child they accused of, you know, bedwetting, or in other words, urinating in his sleep at night. And for that reason, they decided to torture the child. And we are told the child has died. ACP Henry Bacho is the Enchi Divisional Police Commander in the Western North region. He joins us on the line for more on this particular story. ACP, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. The, the story is just trickling in. What has police guarded? About. Yes, what does police know about this particular issue? I didn't hear the news. I don't know what particular issue was that. The issue about the child who was killed, sir. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we had information on 24th, that two days ago, that a couple had killed their child and were making attempt to bury secretly. So police went there, traced the family and got the dead girl. She's a girl of four years. She was in their room. So we arrested the father and the mother and picked the body as well to the mortuary. But they were brought to a position and interviewed preliminaries just for information. It was there they told us that uh, the child has been waiting in the night, frequently on the bed. So they got up in the morning and decided to, uh, I don't know, to make her stop urinating in the night. And the, on the, 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 the first time she urinated, they, they put hot water and placed her on top. Then the 23rd one, they beat her and she collapsed. I was rushed to a Wynn Community Clinic at New York City, near Enchi. It was there when she was undergoing treatment passed on. So the body has been deposited at the government, the government hospital and the couples are in police custody. They were paraded before court today and court has remanded them in police custody to reappear on the 13th of this month. Now, do we know if this girl is their daughter, biological daughter? Um, she's a step daughter to the man. The lady had a child before going to marry this current one. So the girl is a woman's daughter, but not yes. the man's daughter directly. Yes. Did you say they buried her in the room? No, she was not buried. They were attempting to to bury. When we got there, she she was kept in the room with these leaves, a champion leaves. With the to prevent a tampon leaf that to prevent uh, rotting and flies. And the intent was to bury her secretly. Secretly in the night. What did neighbors say to you about this issue? Mm, they are all not happy because the first time they put her on the hot water, people complained but refused to report to the police until the second one came. The beaters even had a broken arm and marks on the back, seriously. 
What did they use to beat the girl? I believe it's a, a stick. They use sticks. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for speaking to us on this. Uh, thank you very much. That's the Enchi Divisional Police Commander. That painful story he's narrating to us. Um, a couple that were told killed their child. ACP Henry Bacho is the Enchi Divisional Police Commander speaking to us on that particular story. Eyewitness News, uh, we have some other stories. Labor issues now. Eno, please tell us. Now, the president of the Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana, CTAG, Prince Obinghiman, says it will be in the best interest of government to find an amicable solution to the demands of the association to avert the effects of the strike on students. Students of the various colleges of education across the country are expected to resume sat studies on Saturday, January 8, amidst a strike by CTAG. The association claims government has failed to implement the 2017-2020 conditions of service as agreed in a memorandum of understanding signed between CTAG and government. Speaking to City News, the national president of CTAG, Prince Obenheman, says all teaching activities will be on hold until government heeds to their concerns. The National Labor Commission is away. We've been able to meet the seven working day uh, prior notification, which is written in our labor laws that you have to do that before you can embark on a strike. We have seen that we have... Uh, Explored all other avenues, and we are using this as the last resort because the matter already went to the National Labor Commission, and they directed the government to sit down and negotiate with us. We do not have any issue with government now. We are not negotiating where one would say we are negotiating and we've broken away from negotiation to declare strike. Negotiation is over. We expected the National Labor Commission to have ordered government to respect the terms of the whatever. But as usual, National Labor Commission wrote to us telling us not to embark on strike because they were uh, in the process of meeting with the fingered, uh, or, or, I mean, parties, so that they will be able to talk to them to do the needful. But in the opinion of council and our advisors, we felt that by doing that, we have fulfilled what we have to do in the law, and we have declared the strike. Prince Obenheman is the national president for CTAG. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. To our first story, MTN Ghana has justified the 50% increase in fiber broadband and turbonet bundle prices. Now, the telecommunications giant from January 4th, 2022, introduced the new rate of fiber broadband and turbonet bundle prices, increasing by almost 50% with 90 days validity. This new development has received negative reactions from many Ghanaians, but Sam Ado, the chief enterprise business officer speaking to City Business News, says this development is in the interest of its customers. MTN has indeed increased the services of the fixed broadband. Um, as a committed operator, we surveyed the market and we realized that our prices were significantly out of the market reach. And to make sure that everybody has enough space to play, we took the decision internally 
to make sure that we align with the market rate so that all the operators can actively compete on the market and that the market will get the opportunity to grow and the customer will benefit because it will not be a discussion of which price, but it will be a discussion of who has the best quality and who gives the best service. Samado is the Chief Enterprise Business Officer of MTN Ghana. Meanwhile, as many Ghanaians continue to throng the various network companies to have their SIM cards re-registered, MTN Ghana has disclosed of plans to increase the number of machines used in capturing the biometric data of customers to reduce congestion at its branch offices. With less than three months to the deadline of the SIM card re-registration exercise, several branches of telecommunications across the country continue to record long queues and crowds as customers rush to re-register their SIM cards with their Ghana cards. Although sources with the telcos have confirmed that the queues can be attributed to the challenges being faced with the system used for the registration, MTN Ghana says it will soon increase the number of its biocap machines to fasten the process. Richard Dentsu is the Senior Manager for Enterprise, Customer Enablement and Solutions at MTN and he made this revelation in an interaction with the media today. There's a plan that we have in place that we're going to increase the devices as well so that we can serve many customers as possible. And in uh, Battelle's presentation here, they did indicate one of the key uh, or the core to this is how fast the app will work. So if it's taking it was charitable to give almost up to 15 minutes. And in some cases, it takes you more than 20 minutes. So if it's taking the average least, let's say minimum of 20 to 30 minutes to register one person, that will definitely be building up uh, the queue. Uh, so um, how fast the app works is a key to serving customers also faster. Richard Densu is the Senior Manager for Enterprise, Customer Enablement and Solutions at MTN Ghana. Away from that, the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry is calling for prompt payments of contractors this year to prevent the delay of construction works across the country and the accumulation of debt for contractors who have taken loans to undertake their projects. Even though government is undertaking some payments of arrears to contractors, the Chamber believes government does not have to wait for the arrears to pile up. Emmanuel Sherry is the CEO of the Chamber and he has been speaking to City Business News. You know, one thing is 2022 is going to be a very uh, interesting year, a year full of actions. Why is because since payment is ongoing now, some of the contractors definitely need to mobilize and get back to site to continue their projects. Some of them automatically need to finish their projects and handover. So we are going to see a lot of activities happening in 2022. In as much as there's going to be activities going to happen in 2022, governments also must take pragmatic steps to make sure that he redeem his contractual, contractual act with the contractors and the service providers. The consultants who are offering the services and the contractors, they should try as much as possible that according to the contract terms, they should also honor the obligation. If that happens, it will win government off this debt liability because already government is see how they call it, uh, uh, pest is leaking. And you are struggling to uh, patch those particular holes. And then the, at the same time, you are accruing, accruing as out of default. So if you can't 
take pragmatic steps to make sure that you pay those particular money on time to avoid penalty, to avoid interest upon interest upon interest payment, it will save, save Ghana, uh, what do call it, government, and then save our, uh, our national pest as well from leaking. So that was the CEO of the Ghana Chamber of Construction Industry, Emmanuel Sherry. Now, airlines operating at the Kotoka International Airport are optimistic of a rebound in their operations this year, despite the impact of COVID-19. With news of the Omicron variant late last year, players in the space were hit with some level of uncertainty. But in an interview with City Business News, Dominic Ando, who is the public relations officer of Ethiopian Airlines in charge of Ghana, Liberia and Sierra Leone, stated that taking into consideration measures that have been put in place to curb the spread of the virus, he is confident that the sector would fully recover by the first quarter of this year. In Ghana here, I would say the top five airlines, when it comes to the use of the Kotoka International Airport, were almost reaching their 2019 figures. I mean, their load factor was increasing, 80-90%, you know, and it was good for us until Omicron just hit. Because of Omicron, there are some restrictions in place. Now, Ethiopian and some few others cannot fly to Dubai, which means that's off. But others are also operating. It means that in 2022, if we're able to bring Omicron under control, which I think we would because of the rollout of massive rollout of the vaccines in Ghana, if we're able to bring it under control and some of these bans are lifted, then in the first two quarters of 2022, we should be back to our pre-pandemic levels in 2019. That's what I see. Because just three months back, most of the airlines have started operating daily services. Most are increasing their frequency. Ethiopian, Emirates, Turkish, BA, Delta, United, Qatar Airways even started operating. It tells you that there is market for it. And they're all doing well. Their load factor, which is the percentage of airline seats which are occupied, was good. 80, 85, 90, together it's in aviation is huge. We're even thinking we'll be doing half. But no, Ethiopian airlines were doing 80, 85%, which was good. Until Omicron, which has cut down a bit over the last two days. But I think in the next one week, we'll find a level playing field work around Omicron. The disease is here to stay. It will be with us based on IATA figures for the next two, three years. So we have to work around it. And that's what we'll be doing all this well. Dominic Ando is the public relations manager of Ethiopian Airlines in charge of Ghana, Liberia and Sierra Leone. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone, Together We Can, empowered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
24 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank. The reversal of the benchmark values is back on the back banner, or the front banner rather. The NDC called a press conference and said it disagreed with what was happening at the port. Some freight forwarders had raised issue with the process that was being implemented at the port. The government disagrees though. Now the issue of the revision or the reversal of the benchmark value was contained in the 2022 budget. The man who led the charge for the NDC, Sami Jemfi, who called the press conference yesterday, is the National Communications Officer of the party. Sami, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. What is your difficulty with what the government is doing at the port? Very simple. Government have introduced a policy which is the reversal of benchmark value discounts, which will ensure or which will lead to an astronomical increase in the prices of the affected products. And here we are talking about 44 categories of imported goods that are used or consumed by the vast majority of Ghanaians. We are talking about goods such as vehicles and spare parts. The 30% benchmark value discount, which was introduced by government in 2019, has been reversed effective um, today. Um, and so what that means is that the import duty for vehicles that are imported into the country will go up by minimum 30%. Um, if you look at general goods, such as um, equipment, plants, and machinery, pharmaceuticals, um, rice, sugar, pasta, noodles, spaghetti, toilet paper, facial tissue, towel, um, furniture, cement, and all that, the import duty for these goods will be doubled as a result of this policy that government has introduced. Because if you were paying, say, an import duty of 10,000 Ghana cities for a 40-seater container of poultry or imported rice or sugar, now you're going to be paying 20,000 Ghana cities as a result of this policy. And we are saying that this policy will further escalate the hardships Ghanaians are already experiencing. 2021 was a very difficult year for majority of Ghanaians because of the many draconian tax policies and revenue measures government introduced, such as the COVID levy of 1% on VAT, which was introduced, another 1% COVID levy on NHIL, new fuel taxes such as the 20 pesos. Uh, energy sector levy on every liter of diesel and petrol, 10 pesos boiler tax on every liter of diesel and petrol, another energy sector levy of 18 pesos on every kilogram of LPG and so on, coupled with the astronomical increases in fuel taxes we saw in 2021, which um, created a situation where in 2021, 
platform of diesel and petrol went up by almost nine Ghana cities. Okay, and so if government at this time where Ghanaians are, are, are struggling under the yoke of excessive taxation is going to increase benchmark values, then we have a problem, a very big problem on our hands. And this problem will have far-reaching effects, will affect all Ghanaians irrespective of their political affiliation and make life unbearable for the vast majority of Ghanaians. So we are saying that government should scrap or revert the reversal of benchmark value discounts. Um, Sand, I'm sure you are aware that um, all across the world, freight costs have gone up astronomically. Um, freight for, say, a 40-feeter container from China to the Tema port, which used to be $3,500, has to be increased to about $5,000. Coupled with that is the problem of the free fall of the Ghana city. Today, the dollar is selling at about 60 to 40 pesos. Okay. And so already the dollar, or if you like, the, the, the ever-depreciating CD has eroded the capital and profit margins of businesses. Trade, which has already gone up, has also affected the businesses of importers and businessmen in general are very adversely. And so if you are going to increase import duty here, specifically talking about the cost component of the CIS, which is what is used in ascertaining import duty, then prices in the market are going to go up by more than 100%. And we are saying that Ghanaians cannot cope with that in this new year. You know? And that is aside the 15% increase in fees and charges that government will be introducing later this year. That is also aside the obnoxious 1.75% e-levy that government is fighting to the new to introduce. So why all these draconian revenue measures at a time when government knows that businesses have not yet recovered from the uh, devastating uh, impact of COVID-19? Many businesses are struggling because of excessive taxation mm. and high cost of doing business in the country. Okay. Why introduce such a policy at this time. Samir, let me put these questions you're asking to the government official who works at the Ministry of Finance who would have a better appreciation and understanding of why they did this. Please, I crave your indulgence to stay on the line and listen to him. Uh, let me go on the other phone line speak to John Kuma. He's a member of Parliament for Ejisu and Deputy Minister for Finance. Mr. Kuma, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Actually, Dr. Kuma, it is. Um, the, the 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 NDC official is asking why in the midst of all the struggles you want to add this other struggle for persons who are into imports. Tell us the idea behind this. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, good evening to your listeners and good evening to Sami. Um the, the benchmark value um, uh, policy which we reversed in the course of last year uh, it's really been reviewed today because we think that uh, the impact, the cost analysis for giving the benchmark value and the cost of local production, local industry, Ghana is losing more in terms of uh, uncompetitiveness for 
the local market uh, because of the benchmark values. It is now easier for people to import goods that can easily be produced in our country from other countries into our country. And that means that we are creating jobs in other countries at the expense of our youth in our country who are also looking for these jobs. So it's a policy issue. We, the policy direction of government is to empower local industries, is to strengthen uh, local uh, capacity for production, and also to attract FDI. Let me give you an example. Um, at the moment, uh, I mean, an importer of, let's say, chicken from Holland or Brazil to Ghana, uh, because of these uh, benchmark values, can get it at uh, an average price of 15 to Ghana, 15 to 20 cities per dressed uh, bread. Meanwhile, the locally produced bread by uh, local producers like uh, the Aco Farms that we have revived, or, or uh, Boriki Farms or Aco Farms, they have to do an average of 40 Ghana cities per bed. Okay, so what it means is that it is it is easier or uh, it is very uncompetitive to produce in Ghana, and so it is easier for people to import these beds into our country. And and once you are not competing well in the market, what it means is that you cannot attract enough investment for people to. Uh, put up processing plants and increase production of this poultry in your country. So it's a policy direction of government. We think that it is time that we looked at some of these uh, uh, products. Even the ones that uh, my friend, Samizian uh, Fee, claims that we don't have capacity to produce. And so taking away the benchmark values will increase prices. It's a, it's a chicken and egg situation because the fact is that even if you are not producing now, but you have the capacity to do so, but the prices are so uncompetitive, people with investment will never be attracted to put factories in your country to begin the production. But when you create that conducive, competitive environment in your country, yes, then you attract the needed investment, either through foreign direct investment or through your local uh, investors and entrepreneurs to be able to compete in that area. So as far as government is concerned, it's a clear policy direction to empower local uh, production. If you look at the NDC manifesto in 2020, I'm surprised they will fight against a policy that is our local production because they have what they call the economic plan in which they promised that uh, they're going to empower local industry and, and ensure rapid industrialization through job creation and, and entrepreneurship. This is exactly what we intended to do. So if government is doing the same thing, and this is in your manifesto, what is the basis for standing against such a policy? In any case, you have been in government for eight years. You never introduced any benchmark values. And today, the government that introduces this after a year that's reviewed it is the, the cost and the consequences for us is grave than moving it. And so we are doing so to empower local industries. I'm very surprised because this is very inconsistent with their own manifesto and what they claim they will do if they get opportunity to govern this country. Okay. If you listen to Sami, among the number of issues he raises, uh, he raises one of them has to do with the year and that review. So this is not a particularly soft year. 
and indeed there are already challenges with 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 the people's pockets and you want to add this could you not have you know scheduled this for next year why this year well um uh, there has never been any good year for introduction of taxes all over the world um government can only run when government raises enough revenues to develop the country and uh, uh this particular year, if we, if we check, especially from 2020, government revenues suffered a lot. We had to do a lot of borrowing to be able to meet the fiscal uh, projections that we did. And 2021, uh, the economy gradually is recovering. We, we are gradually getting back to the pre-COVID levels of uh, uh, economic activities in our country. If we check... When the Ghana Statistical Service announced that the third quarter of 2021 grew by 6.6%, and we are projecting to do about 4.9% uh, by the end of 2021 December. That means that gradually the economy is revamping. And when government, and when the economy is revamping, government needs to, of course, stimulate it further through uh, a, a lot of um, uh, strategic interventions. And we believe that by raising these uh, uh, revenues and, and coming out with these uh, productive or production-enhanced uh, policies, we will be able to increase productivity in the economy and, and, and promote quick recovery, which is what we need to do. We need to build back better. We need to strengthen local capacity to do more. We need to empower local entrepreneurs to be able to revive the economy and put it back on growth. So that's exactly what we are doing, and I believe strongly that uh, the measures that we are introducing now, I mean, there has never been any better time to introduce taxes. If we check the 2022 budget, uh, the only new tax we have introduced is the year levy. We are not introducing any new taxes. There may be review of existing taxes, like the benchmark values and maybe the... um, uh, the other ones that uh, we are reviewing the prices, uh, prices, fees and charges, uh, among among other things. But these are existing taxes that we are reviewing. Of course, we also took the opportunity to scrap several other taxes, which we know the manufacturing VAT flat rate, which has better be suspended for two years. We reduced the gold export processing rate from three percent to one point five percent. We we we. We peeled the 3% VAT on manufacturing and, and several other interventions that we have done so that we can cushion local producers and cushion the manufacturing sector, among many others. So we believe that this is part of government uh, programs to ensure that we are able to stimulate the economy higher and better than we, we uh, like the levels that we were before. Uh, and, and so we don't think that it is out of place for us to be able to introduce these things at this time. Okay, let me see if uh, this satisfies Sami. Uh, Sami Jeffy, this is a party that said it was going to move uh, from uh, taxation to production. And if it has introduced policies like the 1D1F and has factories in town, these factories should be able to have their produce sold here. Now, if you are producing and also importing, the tendency to kill the locally produced uh, products is very high, and that's what they are avoiding, and they are introducing that 
that been my, Donna, that, do we do we produce sugar in Ghana as we speak? I, I okay. Now I I just was going to mention uh, the the factory that is dead. Uh, yes, in the central. We bequeath to them an ultra more than thirty five million dollar sugar processing factory at Commander, which they have left to rot in the last five years. Sugar is not produced in Ghana, and so if you are doubling the import duty of sugar. What local production capacity are you boosting? What local sugar producer are you supporting by that policy intervention? I just want to demonstrate to you how, how dishonest our friends in the NPP are. Okay? This policy of reversal of benchmark value discount has got absolutely nothing to do with support for local manufacturers or local businesses. It is a scam. That is only a smooth screen. The gospel truth is that government is broke, and they are broke because of their own economic mismanagement and financial recklessness. They need money at all costs, and that is why they are introducing this draconian policy at this time when they know very well that it will lead to extreme hardship for the vast majority of Ghanaians. Because if what John Kuma is saying is the case, then all the affected products to the products that are produced in Ghana. Sugar is not produced in Ghana. Clinker is not produced in Ghana. Um, um, the vehicles that are affected by this policy, okay, the vehicles we drive in this country, like Toyota Corolla, like um, all the Toyota cars we drive, like the Hyundai cars we drive, all the cars we drive, with the exception of VW, are not produced in Ghana. And so if you are increasing the import duty of these vehicles, what local production capacity in Ghana are you boosting as a result of that policy? Clearly, what they are saying doesn't add up. Aside that, some of the products that are on the list of 44 items affected by this policy are even input materials for local manufacturers. Local book publishers, for example, import papers for production of books in Ghana. And so if you are doubling the import duty of paper, what are you doing? You are killing the local book publishing industry. Clinker is an input material for cement manufacturing. Even Jata Cement, which is a wholly owned Ghanaian company, imports clinker. And so if you are increasing the import duty of clinker by 100%, what you are doing is that you are increasing the price of Jata Cement by 100%. So you are rather killing indigenous companies because most of these affected products are even input materials for local manufacturers and local producers. Aside that, he spoke about our 2020 manifesto and how we spoke about supporting businesses and promoting industrialization and all that. Did Mr. Kuma, my very good brother, read anywhere in our manifesto that we're going to do this, we're going to pursue this industrialization agenda by increasing import duty? No, that is not what we said. Because if you want to truly support local businesses, local manufacturers, what you do is that you reduce the cost of doing business and the factors of production. What businesses and manufacturers in Ghana need in Ghana is, number one, access to cheaper credit. Number two, access to cheaper utility tariffs. Number three, tax cuts, reducing the tax burden on businesses. Number four, providing businesses with subsidies. Number five, stabilizing the Ghana city. This is what any serious government that is genuinely concerned 
or interested in supporting local manufacturing and local production will do. Well. You cannot be heaping taxes upon taxes on businesses. You cannot be mismanaging your national currency. Mm. You cannot be uh, okay. uh, increasing, you know, all these factors that I've mentioned and then turn around and tell us that you want to support local manufacturing. Okay. That can't say that the Mkumgafon Dika. Why? They import us to our businesses. They pay taxes. They contribute to the growth of our economy. Why do you want to destroy their businesses when you know that almost 99% of the products in our markets are imported? Oh. And so by doubling import duties, you are going to make Guineans suffer. Thank but you. More importantly, Nathanda, let me make this point. In 2019 April, when Dr. Baumia was introducing the benchmark value discount, he said that the objective of the policy was to make our ports competitive, facilitate more trade volumes at our ports, increase revenue, and reduce smuggling. What has changed? That all of a sudden, government is no longer interested in reducing smuggling, making our ports competitive again, facilitating more trade volumes, and they now want to go back to where they were that Dr. Bawumia berated and condemned for which reason the discounts were introduced. And lastly, and Let, lastly, we need to end. We need, I'm, I'm afraid we no, have no, to end lastly, it. Just, just in 30 seconds. Yes. You see, this policy will not just affect importers. It will affect all Guineans. And to respond quickly to John Kuma when he said that in eight years we never introduced discounts. We were not the ones who introduced this benchmark value policy which is what led to an astronomical increase in import duties. That is why we didn't introduce any benchmark value discount, because under us, the benchmark value system was the exception and not the general rule. You came and made it the general rule, which led to an increase in import duties, for which reason you introduced a discount. That was not a favor you did uh, for importers or the people of this country. Well. And so reversing that at a time the dollar has gone up so much, at a time you have introduced so many taxes, freight is going up, is sheer wickedness. Thank you. And my brother John knows that. He should stop insulting our sensitivity. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's Sami Jemfis, National Communications Officer of the NDC. Let me conclude with the, the Deputy Minister. Um, he has raised one point, and I struggle to answer him. He asked me if we produce sugar in Ghana and why you should add that to the list of 44. What's your answer to See, that? My brother Sami yeah, and those who think like him clearly lack the understanding of economic policy. First of all, I'm happy he acknowledges that the sugar factory is now almost like a white elephant because they didn't do the analysis properly. You can give all the credit as proposed. You can even give tax-free. If you don't create the enabling environment for that sugar uh, market to thrive in your country, no strategic investor will come on board. And that's the problem they are facing. I told you it's a chicken and egg situation. You okay, so, 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 so I just want to be sure, now. I just want to be sure, we do not produce yes. sugar currently in commercial quantities, do we? Yes, because when you produce, you become uncompetitive on the market. So why do we have it on the list of items? That's why we are removing it so that you can have a competitive price for people to set up the sugar factory and process it in your country. I don't, so un I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. Please help me. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me explain to you. Currently, the amount at which you can produce sugar in Ghana, let's say it's 10 cities, okay? You have created a condition where the benchmark values makes it possible for you to import sugar at 5 cities in Ghana, okay? So if you have money and you invest in a sugar factory in Ghana, the least you can sell will be 10 cities or 15 cities. And if I import sugar from Brazil, I can sell it at 5 cities. Which 
strategic investor will put his money in a factory in Ghana for sugar production. Tell me. But are you not putting so the cart before the horse? Are you not putting so the cart before the horse when you say that, okay, you're going to prevent the importation and wait for people to set up the factory? If you no, had a factory already and you said, we are stopping the importation because, we, so we are making the importation unattractive so people patronize our factory. That's not what you are doing. You're rather saying, I'm going to make importation unattractive so that someone will come and set up a factory. It doesn't make sense to me. Before anybody will set up a factory in your country, whether you have local capacity to produce or not, they will first do the market analysis to know that if we put our investment in Ghana, can we sell at a price that will help us to recover and can we be competitive on the market? Please, do you get this simple? Yes, I do. Very good. Now, I have told you that the average price of importation of sugar into your country is about half of your cost of production in your country. So who, in his right sense, can easily import sugar and sell at a good rate will come and put a sugar factory in your country. So when you remove these benchmark values that allow the rebates and the reductions that allow the importers to sell at price to then you are pushing the price to your competitive market rate. Okay. Where the one who has put the factory in your country is selling at 10 cities, you get it. Oh, no, can compete, it I... can equally compete with your imported sugar into your country. Okay. Then the one who is taking the sugar from Brazil will say, if I'm taking it to Ghana with all these wahala of shipment and fruit and products, and still going to sell at the production cost in Ghana, why don't I put the production line in Ghana? Very well. I think this I'm... is how you create jobs. This is how you create a competition and, and industrialization in your country. Thank you. Time um, is not on our side. We have to wrap up. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Honorable Deputy Minister. That was Honorable Deputy Minister for Finance, uh, John Kuma, MP for Ejisu. Earlier you heard Sami Jemfi, National Communications Officer of the NDC. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. Production by Sixtus Don Ulo, Beverly, London, Anas Seidu. Technical support from Desmond Nyako. We'll be back, uh, God willing, on Monday at 17.30 GMT. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.